This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. Number one podcast in Oakland. Number one podcast in the Bay Area. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is the number one host, Jordan Owandi. And today is Memorial Day. It's a three-day weekend. It's a solo episode. I know y'all used to me having guests, but a lot of people flaked on me this weekend. Kind of upset about that. I had two interviews lined up. Didn't go through. But anyway, I decided to give the people something. So I'm going to kick off this solo episode today. Talk about Memorial Day. The true meaning. But first, what happens on Memorial Day? Barbecues, cookouts, and what goes with cookouts? Great music. And some songs need no introduction. Some songs, you just push play. You know, when you hear beats, some beats are just need no introduction. Just from the first riff, you just know it's going to be fire. Shout out to Emil, wherever she is nowadays. For the dynasty, a million, uh. Jay-Z, come on the pod. Check it out, yo. Hey, yo, this time is for my family. We ride or die. It's in the blood to the death now. Aim for the sky. My foe blow for show, for dough, for only. It's money, drugs, and hot slugs. You know, bleak. Squeeze hammers till they nail me. Fuck the niggas tell me. Street scholar, keep firing what they tell me. Drug chemists, thug nigga be named Memphis. Straight from the borough of them BK niggas. Where we rob for the fun of it. Hustle for the drug of it. Rap money and rubber bands. That was one of the hardest intros, well not intros, but one of the hardest like songs, one of the rawest beats I've ever heard. That's on like my top five, well not top five, probably like my top ten as far as like beats and Memphis Bleak went off. Shout out to Memphis Bleak. 
But let's get into it. Hope everyone had a good weekend. Like I said, this is Memorial Day weekend. And uh, yeah, where should we start? Where should we start? Well, let's start. I'm, it's fresh off the game seven. We'll get into Memorial Day later. Fresh off game seven. Fucking Boston lost. Got their asses kicked. I think them niggas lost by like 20 points or something, but it was a total shame the way they went out because they were at home and I put my money on them, even though they were doing something that no one in history of the NBA has ever done, come back from being down 0-3. But if you look at all the teams that forced the game seven after being down 0-3, all of those teams the games, all of those teams were on the road. The teams that were down 0-3 had to play game seven on the road. So everybody looked at Boston and was like, oh, maybe they can do it. Maybe they can make history because they'll be the first team to play game seven from being down 0-3 at home. Their game seven will be at home in Boston. And everyone knows Boston is like one of the top arenas. Those fans will get you hyped. So what do they do? They go in. Jason Tatum gets injured on the first play of the game. Gets the ball and tries to do all these moves and shit and go to the basket when he could have easily took one dribble and pulled up and had a little mid-range jumper. But this nigga want to do Euro steps and shit and twist his ankle. And he's fucked up the rest of the game. Limping. So now we're all relying on Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown ain't been the same ever since he started braiding his hair. That nigga needs to go back to the uh, to the, to the flat top. That's when he was killing. Started braiding his hair, and now he's different. Just like James Harden. When James Harden had the little, t- the afro, not like the afro, but the fucking mohawk, he was killing. Started braiding his hair, and now he's different. He's a different player. He's not the same James Harden. Just like Jalen Brown. He's not the same Jalen Brown. So I blame it on the braids. I blame it on the braids. Anyway, Boston lost. Now we're going to see Denver and Miami in the finals. Two teams no one wanted to see. Two markets that really don't have a huge fan base. Both teams don't have a super superstar. So I see these finals very low ratings. It's not like the Lakers in Boston, if that would have been. All the history. Who's going to win the 18th championship? Which franchise? No. We have Miami, a number eight seed, who clawed their way into the playoffs. And now they're in the finals. That's a good story. But Miami, their fans, they don't really, they don't really give a shit about basketball in Miami, honestly. The niggas be showing up. The niggas, the, the niggas don't show up to the game, to the home games till like in the middle of the second quarter. Second quarter starts. You, you look in the stands; half of the seats are empty still. People out there partying and shit. Niggas be forgetting they ha- they even have tickets to the game. And then they get that notification. They're like, "Oh shit, I didn't know I had tickets to Game Three. So you have that fan base, the like a daysical fan base, and you have Denver fan base. Now, I don't think you'll find a Denver Nuggets fan outside of Denver. Pretty sure there's no Denver Nuggets fans in Texas, Florida, California, Montana, 
You will only find Nuggets fans in Denver. But if you ask me who I'm going for, it's obviously I'm going for Denver because they have the most complete team. They have a center that no one can guard. And he definitely is going to be unguardable against Miami because who's going to be guarding him? Bam. Bam is nice, but he's not even tall. I think Kevin Durant is taller than Bam. And Bam is their center. I think Bam is like the same size as uh, LeBron James. And he's playing center. And he's going to have to guard Jokic, which I guess is like seven-something. Big as hell. Who could just turn around and do a little hook shot. So, yeah, they're going to have problems. Then you got Murray and Butler. That's the only – those two cancel each other out. But the rest of the team, the rest of the Miami team is going to get slaughtered by Denver. So I see Denver winning the finals probably four games to one. I give Miami one game because they are fighters. They proved it by being the eighth seed and beating everyone. So I give them, I give them, I give them one, a gentleman's sweep, as they call it. But yeah, that's my little, my little sports take. So Memorial Day, we're all here. I don't know what you guys are doing. You might be at a barbecue. You might be at a party. You might be just chilling in your house. But the majority of us had a three-day weekend. We all had a three-day weekend because of Memorial Day. So I'm a big history buff, right? And I like, I just like reading on like random shit. Because history is one of those subjects that I find very, very interesting. Like, I think it's interesting to, like, just to walk outside your house and be like, hey, I wonder, I wonder what this block looked like in the 20s. You know what I'm saying? Like, your street, the street that you live in. I wonder what this street looked like in, I don't know, 1955. How different it was back then. That's what I wonder. Like, outside my house. There's like old train tracks everywhere, and I don't even know where they go. Obviously, they're not in uh, operation anymore, but like little shit like that. I wonder when these train tracks were being used. Was there actually what what train was coming through this this street back in the day, and when did it come out of commission? You know what I'm saying like little stuff like that. That's what makes history so interesting to me. And we have a lot of holidays where a lot of people celebrate, but a lot of people think the meaning of some of these holidays is something that it wasn't originated to be. Like St. Patrick's Day, I'm pretty sure if you read the history of St. Patrick's Day, it'll be totally different than what we celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Like St. Patrick's Day is... It's green. Everyone thinks, oh, you're just supposed to wear green and go out and drink a whole bunch of beer. Or Thanksgiving. Everyone thinks, oh, Thanksgiving is where we all get together and give thanks. No. Christmas. Like, read the true meaning of some of these holidays, and you'll be very surprised. There's a lot of deadly meaning meaning behind a, a lot of these holidays. A lot of deadly history. And Memorial Day is one of those. A lot of people don't know how Memorial Day was started, where it came from. People just think, oh, it's a three-day holiday. has something to do with the military, but I don't really know what. But there's a lot of stories 
a lot of stories out there about uh, Memorial Day. Now, before we get into that, I make a confession. I was in the military. I was in the Navy at one point in my life. A lot of people don't know that. I went into the Navy so they can pay for my school, which is what a lot of inner city kids do. They take it as a, they use it as a means to get out the hood. My situation, I got accepted in a few colleges. Didn't have the money to pay for said colleges. Didn't want to stay around, be like 19, 20 years old, just wandering the streets doing bullshit. Because I knew that wasn't going to lead to nothing but getting in trouble. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, what's the, what can I do? What, what is the easiest way to get out of here? And this one lady approached me, beautiful woman. She was a recruiter for the Navy and convinced me. She was like, oh, yeah, join the Navy. And I mean, we can pay for our, your college. You go to school for free, basically. So I was like, damn, yeah, that's, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a good idea. So what I did was researched all the little branches of the military, army, wasn't going to that. That was off. Didn't even have to research that, but knew I wasn't going to that because those are the first ones that they send on the battlefield. I wasn't going to the Marines because all them niggas is crazy. Something's mentally wrong with them. But shout out to y'all. But they train you to kill. You're like a killing machine. I'm not. Yeah, killing is just not on. I'm not the type of person. I have to be like something has to happen drastically to me for me to like want to kill someone. So. Wasn't doing that. So what do you have? You have the Air Force, the Navy. So Air Force, back in this time, when I joined, everyone wanted to get into the Air Force. Because the Air Force had the reputation of being easy, I guess. Chilling on the Air Force base. They had a reputation, that's where all the women are. So all the niggas wanted to go to the Air Force. You're not going to be shipped to the war. You're not going to be on a boat in the middle of the ocean for months and months. So the Air Force, everyone wanted to be in the Air Force. But the thing about the Air Force is it was a little bit more harder to get into the Air Force because when you get in, when you go to the military, you have to take a test. It's called the ASVAB test. And when you take this ASVAB test, depending on your score, that's what you your options will be. So I believe the Army... Uh, you had to get the, I mean, the lowest, it was the lowest score to enter. So if you score low, I think the Army had the, the lowest uh, requirement to to pass in requirement to get in. Because obviously, a lot of people are not going to join the ar- Army for said reasons that I stated. So that's why their requirement was so low to get in. And so on and so on. It was like steps, Marines, and then... Everything else was, but the Air Force, you had to score the highest to get in. A lot of people don't score that score that high. I mean, a lot of people do, but a lot of people don't. So, luckily, I scored high enough to get into the Air Force. So, I was leaning. I wasn't leaning, but I was. my mind was, okay, I'm going to join the Air Force. So, after I got my ASVAB score, the recruitment office that I went to, it just so happens that the... All four of the branches each had a recruitment office in all next to each other. So there was an Army recruiting office next to a Marines, next to a Navy, next to an Air Force. 
So I go into the Air Force recruitment office, talking to them, past the ASVAB, blah, 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 everything getting set up. So I walk out. The Navy woman that was recruiting me at first saw me. She stops me. We get into a little chat. She pulls me into the office again. She's like a damn car salesman. So she tells me, she's like, listen, I know you want to go into the Air Force, but if you choose to go into the Navy, we can give you a sign-in bonus of $20,000. Now, being a 17, 18-year-old fresh out of high school with no kids, no bills, and someone says they're going to give you $20,000, that's basically like someone saying, I'm giving you a million dollars to a little teenager in the hood. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'll go to the Navy then. So that's how I got into the Navy. If it wasn't for that signing bonus, I would have been an air, an airman in the Air Force. So the Navy was the destination. And since I scored high on the ASVAB, and since I went through this program called the MEPS program, now this was a while ago, so I don't know if they still have this, but the MEPS program was basically when you you study a little bit about the military, about the Navy, they give you a booklet. You have to study it. Basically, you have to learn military time. You have to learn the, the military alphabet. You have to you have to learn like memorize the sailor's creed or whatever and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then they put you in a panel. They put you in front of a panel in front of like some chiefs, some like highly decorated Navy people. And they give you a test. They ask you questions. And then if you pass, you can enter the Navy a step above everyone else with a higher rank. The majority of the people that enter the Navy, they're classified as E1. That's the lowest ranking in the Navy. But if you pass this MEPS program, you can enter as a either an E2 or an E3. So you're already, as soon as you step down into boot camp, you're already outranking 50% of the people in there. Probably even, probably higher percent. Because I don't think a lot of people go through the MEPS program. So that's what I did. I entered as a as an E3, outranking niggas before I even did a sit-up. And yeah, boot camp was boot camp was crazy. In Great Lakes, Illinois, right outside of Chicago. And it was cool. Met a, met a, met a couple of cool people. You know what I'm saying? I think it lasted a few few weeks. Then after boot camp, I went to A school. And A school is basically like a it's basically like college where they just teach you about the job that you're going to do when you get assigned, when you get stationed somewhere. So my job, I was an engineer working on diesel generators on board a ship. So when I went to A school, I was learning all about mechanics and engineering and all that shit. And it was hard because you had to pass all these tests in order to to make it out. It's basically like college. So when you think of A school, think of college during like finals week. That's what it was like, nonstop studying and shit. And it gets stressful because if you fail, you are going to be stuck there. And I met a lot of people who were who were there for a while playing the long game because they couldn't get through. A lot of niggas ain't book smart. 
And I think, if, I mean, if you, if it goes long enough, I think they'll just kick you out. Because once they realize your ass can't read a book and learn from reading that book, you're of no service. Because when you're in the Navy and on a ship in the middle of the ocean, you got to know what you do. You got to know what you, you're you doing. Because there's no one you can call. The ships break down. You got to know how to fix it. If there's a fire, you got to know how to put it out. Because you're in the middle of the ocean. There's no one else to call. And if the ships break down and if someone is in charge of fixing it, you got to know his job too. That's why everybody on the ship that I was stationed on, the USS Ronald Reagan, CVN 76, shout out to all of y'all. I'm an official plank owner. I own part of that ship. You know what I'm saying? If everyone needed to learn how to put out a fire and they call them damage control men, so they train everybody on like firefighting and shit. They obviously had specific people who that was their job, but everyone had to take some type of training because you're out there on your own. You got to know, I got to know my job and I got to know your job too, in case you die. That's how it was. So when it comes to Memorial Day, I'm guessing, I mean, Memorial Day, you can say I am a part of this holiday. So I wanted to do a little bit of learning about Memorial Day. Because anything that has to do with American history, I know, do not trust what they teach you in the school. Anything that has to do with American history, always take it with a grain of salt what you learn in class. Because I guarantee if you do to go home and research whatever it is your teacher is telling you in school, you'll learn the complete opposite. Because what do they say? He who controls history controls the world so they're not going to tell you the real truth about a lot of shit when it comes to american history and there's a lot of different versions on how memorial day was started there's a lot of different dates on when memorial day was started who started it where it was started so a lot of fun facts that you learn in school right about Memorial Day, is what? The Civil War, right? It all started in the Civil War. The deadliest war in American history. Over 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 600,000 plus people were killed. And if you guys don't know what the Civil War is, shame on you. But it was basically a war about slavery. That's basically what it was. You had one side who wanted to end slavery. One side wanted to keep slavery. It all boils down to that. What side were you on? Did you want to keep your slaves? Or did you want, did you believe these niggas should be free? And there was a war over that. And there's a lot of stories on where it started. Some people say Charleston, South Carolina. And a lot of people say it started in Waterloo, New York. A lot of people say the first Memorial Day was on May 5th, 1866, after the Civil War was over. A lot of businesses closed down so they can decorate the grave sites. And that's what teachers would tell you about the first 
Memorial Day, how it started. Businesses closing down so they can decorate the grave sites of the killed soldiers. It became a federal holiday in 1971, I believe. And they changed it to the last Monday of the week. The, the, yeah, the last Monday of the month where federal employees had a three to make it where federal federal employees had a three day weekend. So that's you got that story, right? But obviously that's not the true story of Memorial Day. Now, if you do research, you will find out that well, when you when you think of the Civil War, you know that the South was on the verge of winning the Civil War. The Union was about to lose the Civil War until what? Abraham Lincoln realized that his ass was about to lose. So what did he need to do? He needed reinforcements. And who came to the rescue? Just like in every war America has fought. What people are the reason every war that America has fought, that we won, who are the people is the reason for America winning every war? Who came to the rescue in the Civil War when the Union was retreating, being slaughtered? Who came to the rescue? Blacks, slaves, the Emancipation Proclamation. Do you think Abraham Lincoln wanted to free those slaves? No, he didn't want to free the slaves. It was a ba- it was a straight political thing. Let me free these slaves, right? Let me get these niggas on our on my good side because I need the votes, and I need to win this war. So what did he do? He said all blacks. Well, first it wasn't all blacks. It was just a certain point. There was only certain sections where you, if you were black, you can be free. Certain sections of the United States. I believe like in California, New York and shit, you were free just off being in or in that area. But then he was like, OK, well, all blacks around the country are free. And if you want to join the fight, come on, put on this uniform and join the fight and kill these niggas who want to enslave you. Get three meals a day. Get paid a couple couple cents. I don't know how much they were getting paid, but get paid a couple cents. You weren't getting paid like the white soldiers were getting paid, but you were getting paid chump change, putting on this uniform, black people walking around all proud now because they got this uniform on, still getting treated like shit, still niggers in everyone's eyes. So blacks entered the war, the Civil War in 1862. Before that, they were prohibited. But obviously, Abraham Lincoln needed them. So you got that. To think about when you start talking about Memorial Day. So blacks had a very important role in Memorial Day. Which comes to the true meaning. The true story about the first Memorial Day. And who started it. It was black people. Black people started Memorial Day. Yes, I said it, people. I know some of your guys' jaw dropped. But you would not think... Through history of all this time of you going to school, celebrating, going to barbecues, picnics, celebrating a holiday that you thought was created by whites. 
No. Black people started the first Memorial Day. And this was proven by a great historian called David W. Blight. And he wrote a he wrote a book about the Civil War. He was a great historian and he did a life his life's I mean, well, I wouldn't say his life's work, but he researched the Civil War tremendously. Like people like a detective trying to find clues for a crime. He spent many years getting to the bottom of this. And he published it in a book. And I want you guys to listen to his words about his findings. I had a a very lucky discovery in my research for my book on Civil War memory. I found it in a collection at the Houghton Library at Harvard, the papers of an old Union Veterans Organization, and there were boxes of this stuff. But I don't know, maybe in the second box I looked in, there was a file labeled First Decoration Day. And I opened it, and here was a handwritten narrative on a piece of cardboard. At the bottom of it, it had a name, Berwick, but it listed a date and the New York Herald Tribune. I went over and got out the New York Herald Tribune for that date in late spring of 1865 in Charleston, South Carolina. And whoever wrote that down put the wrong date. I kept looking and kept looking and kept looking and kept looking and finally there it was. Verbatim, that story. It was describing a parade held in Charleston, South Carolina on May 1st, 1865. The Civil War had ended, just ended. Charleston had been evacuated by the Confederates back in February. The people left in Charleston, by and large, were all African Americans and Union troops, some white, some black. And the story on this narrative was people gathered on the old planter's horse track, the racetrack in Charleston. It was called the Washington Racecourse. And they held this extraordinary parade. In the last six to eight months of the war, the Confederates had converted the infield of that racetrack into an open-air prison. And about 260 Union soldiers had died of exposure and disease. And they'd all been thrown in a mass grave out behind the grandstand of the race course. We now have photos of that grandstand. The story was just almost unbelievable when I first read it. About 10,000 people marched around the old planter's race course. And the oval is still there in a park. But it said it was led by uh, some two or 3,000 black children carrying armloads of roses and flowers and singing John Brown's body. Followed by black women, black men, and then Union troops. And they marched around the course, and then they gathered in this cemetery that had been created by local black workmen, as many as could fit into the cemetery. And they heard preaching from five black ministers, according to this article, and a small black children's choir sang the national anthem, America the Beautiful, and three or four spirituals. After this ceremony, broke up and went back into the infield of the old racetrack and did what most of us do on Memorial Day. They had, they had picnics, they had a speaker stand with speeches. The children 
ran around. But back around the graveyard, they had built a fence all the way around it, and they whitewashed the fence, and they had an archway, entryway, and over the archway they painted the inscription, Martyrs of the Race Course. These were the freed people of Charleston paying tribute to the Union dead. And it was their way of declaring the meaning of the war. That's the first Memorial Day. All the other places that claim to be the sites in their numerous towns and cities, south and north, that claim to be the place where Memorial Day had its origins in this kind of ritual, claimed 1866. Now, it perhaps doesn't matter which year it was created, but it was one of those unbelievably good pieces of luck in an archive that then led me to more and more sources and eventually to even public commemorations of this in Charleston. And, and now we have a, a marker, a state historical marker there commemorating the first Memorial Day. I've had a lot of lucky discoveries in archives, but that's by far my favorite. <laughs> So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast, and I'm out. You.